this morning. I'd like to uh, just tell you we are in a, a, a series talking about service, and um, especially if you're a guest with us here today, um, we uh, we do not twist anybody's arm here. Uh, we don't uh, turn people upside down and shake the money out of them. Uh, w- we just trust that God will work in hearts as we look to His Word um, to do His work in you and in me. And then we will be the people that He wants us to be and we will be about the work that He wants us to be about. Um, so I wanted to share that with you first of all. Uh, when I was in college, I got to travel to uh, Russia. Uh, it, they called it Russia, the Soviet Union when I got to go there. Um, and I spent some time in Ukraine and I was in the big city of Kiev. I, I got to be at, uh, evangelistic crusade where there were, I don't know, maybe 50, 60,000 people. And, uh, they were all listening to a man share the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And earlier that day, <clears throat> being one of the little people that were helping out with this crusade, uh, I was down in the subway and I got to, um, I met a man, you know, when you're um, six foot four and an American, you kind of stand out and uh, you don't fit in and probably louder and obnoxious than I felt like I was, I was. And um, this man came up to me and, you know, I, I knew three words of Russian and uh, he knew uh, quite a bit of English because everyone in the world knows English, and uh, Americans don't usually know anything other than English. But anyways, uh, he uh, shared with me, and he was excited to hear, and he, he was a, a, a very a substantial man, I could tell. I didn't know anything about him, but he looked like a man uh, who was important, um, a man who was going someplace. And so I gave him the information, and he uh, that night, uh, when they asked people to come and uh, uh, if they wanted to learn more in this huge stadium, uh, I saw this man and he had come forward and my heart was thrilled, you know, that I'd met him earlier in the day. And so I rushed down there uh, to meet him and to see him again. And I was so excited that he was responding to the gospel. And so I called our interpreter, the guy that was with us, and we began to talk and uh I saw the countenance on our interpreter's face kind of drop and he stopped translating. And I was like, what is he saying? What is he saying? And um, the gist of what he was saying was this man who had shared the gospel of Jesus Christ has some very interesting things to say. But then he said this, but I have much to add. I have much to add. And as we talked and as we shared more, I realized that he wasn't responding to the gospel. He was trying to collect the gospel in amongst his other thoughts that he had already had. Um, There's a danger for us to want to accept Jesus on our own terms. To say, uh, you know, he'll make my life better. He'll... uh, uh, help me with my marriage. He'll help me not get sick. He'll give me more money. And uh, this is the place in the slot where I put Jesus. And this is what he will do for me. 
And I want to start out by just telling you that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's who he is. Um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll use this as kind of an entry point or a, a beginning point this morning, a foundation for talking about service of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, um, a great passage that talks about service and how we can serve one another. And the basis of it is Jesus, what he is and did and and what he is, the father had deemed him because of his ministry. And you, you look at this and I want you to hear it. Um, it says this of Jesus in Philippians uh, chapter 2. It says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And then you see down in verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, of which we've just sung. And then it says this, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who is Jesus? Jesus Christ is Lord. That's who He is. And if we consider Him anything less than that, if we add anything to that, if we make it any different, we are making up our own Jesus. And we will not have this right relationship as the basis for service in Him. Let me pray for us and just ask God's blessing on our time. God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for each one here. I ask that your spirit would work in this time of message as we look to your word. That you would stir hearts to right relationship with you. And that we would experience the benefit, um, the, the joy of what it means to serve you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I must be his servant. If he's the master, I must be his slave. That's the right relationship. Uh, you can imagine uh, getting hired at a job and you thinking that you're hired to be the boss. And you roll into the work your first day and you start ordering people around. And you don't realize that you're not the boss. Um, maybe that's the way we rolled into church this morning. I hate to be the rude one to tell you, you're not the boss. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so how do we serve Him in this right relationship? Him being the master, me being the servant. How, how do we get there? What What is it that we can do? It's interesting to me that um, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. Um. Sometimes we think we're really valuable and we make the difference and he doesn't need us. Uh, but in the beauty of his own plan, he allows us to be a part. He calls us and he uses us 
um, even though he could do it another way. Um, that's part of the fascination to me of church, of, of this church, is that he could do it any way he wanted to, but he's chosen to use us. And you say, well, what are the other ways? He could just do it out of nothing. He could make things happen out of nothing. But he has designed life that we would gather together as the church and that we would work out his plan and that we would work for him and that we would honor him in this life. I want to give you four points this morning. And... Um, I stole this, but many people have stole this before me, so I don't feel that bad um, of just talking about time, treasure and talent. But I did modify it at the end and add a fourth point. But we'll, we'll kind of leave that as exciting as the surprise box for you to know later. Um, first of all, his time. And these are the things that we can serve him with. These are the things that we can give to him. These are the tools that he has given us that we might serve him. And I want to tell you that if we don't serve him with these things, uh, we'll be frustrated. We'll be empty. We'll be uh, uh, bickering with one another. When we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, when we're not doing what we have been designed to do, it will end up for emptiness and frustration for us. And so the, 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 first, the first point this morning is his time. And I, I want to say it his time because most of the time we think of it as our time. Uh, have any of you ever said, you're wasting my time? Uh, the proper way to say that would be, you're wasting God's time. Uh, or... Probably more accurate, I'm wasting God's time. Uh, as we look at this in, in Ephesians chapter 5, you'll see this throughout the scripture that there's an importance of time. And it's not important because of us. It's important because God has given us a limited amount of time. It, it, there's, there's this lordship over the time that we have in this life. Uh, I was struck last night when I heard of uh, this man, Marshall Burns, that passed away. And uh, there's always an end. There's always an end to life. Uh, it, it's not something that's ever on our watch. You know, we, we don't ever put it in our schedule. I'm going to pass away this day. And yet God has a plan. God has a plan. And so our minutes are finite. <laughs> Our days are numbered. That's not just a, a cliche, that's truth. And so, as we look at this, we, we need to realize that it's His time. His time is something that we can serve Him with. In Ephesians chapter 5, he's, God's Word says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you get that? He goes from time, not being our time, but being time that we have. And then he says, with that time, understand what the will of the Lord is. This is what we should be asking with our moments and days. We should be asking, 
what do I think Christ wants me to do with this day? Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? When you come up to different options in life, and there's always another option. Uh, some of you, how many of you work on a list? You know, list. I hope it's your own. Those of you who are married know what I mean by that. Um, you have a list. You have a list. And how many of you ever fear putting things on your list? I fear putting things on my list. I'm going, should this get on the list? Because if it gets on the list, it's going to stare back at me and say, I got to do it. It, it, it feels like that you're compelled. And, and you got to ask the question, well, what do I do on my list? Some of you are just motor through the whole list. But, but this is the problem with the list thing. There's usually more things on the list than you have time to do them. And so you have to prioritize and you say, well, uh, I'll just, you, you have your own system. Let me throw out all those systems and, and just give you this one. Pray. Jesus, what do you want me to do next on this list? And I may not always be clear and I, I may think one thing. Um, I may think one thing and, and miss what you're telling me and not get what's your priority. But I want to ask the question, Jesus, what do you want me to do on your list? This is your list, not my list. This is your day, not my day. This is your time, not my time. Jesus, what do you want me to do? As we look to God's word, uh, we see also in James chapter 4. And what a passage. It's sobering to look at it. James chapter 4. A man is talking about how great his business is going to be. That he's going to uh, go to such and such a city. And he's going to make big bucks. And everything's going to go swimmingly. And I love that word, swimmingly. Uh, but uh, I, he's going to do these great things. And uh, what he'd forgotten was it wasn't his time. That there was one greater than him. And um, James writes in uh, chapter 4 verse 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. Spend a year there. Trade. Make a profit. And you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that. Your day, your days, your moments, your time is not yours. And so because it is His, because it is His plan that you are a part of, we should ask, Lord, what do you want me to do with your time today? What, what, what do you want me to do with this day? Um, it is interesting to talk to, to a bunch of people that are busy Y'all are busy. Uh, my life is busy. And it's too busy, right? You know, you, you always say, oh, I'm too busy. Um, I got a simple cure for that. Don't do as much. Okay? Don't feel obligated to as many things. Say no more often. And you say, well, how do you say no? Same, same way you say yes, but the opposite, right? You pray. And you look at your list and you might want to say this, Jesus, what do you not want me to do on this list today? What am I doing just to please people and not please you? 
Think about that. This is his time. This is his agenda. This is his desire for the life that he has saved you for. So it's his time. Instead, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. Second point is his treasure. It's his treasure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, a great giving passage. Giving passage. Um, And just a beautiful passage that talks about generosity, cheerful giving, that that God is the provider. He's the one who provides the seed as well as the harvest. He's the one who provides. Second Corinthians chapter nine, starting in verse six, says this, that the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. He he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way uh, to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings thanksgivings to God. This passage says some very interesting things. In fact, it floats from that which is temporary, that which is physical, that which is money, to the spiritual things. It starts with the, 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 the physical things and it carries over and produces in that which is spiritual. And it, it, it goes back and forth between this idea of being cheap and, and the idea of being stingy with seed and sowing and being generous. And the, the, the correlation between that to a bountiful harvest or one harvest that is not sufficient. He also talks about sufficiency in there. Where he says the one who provides. The one who provides sufficiently. So generosity could come about. And I want to just tell you this. That all your resources. All the things that are yours. Mine, mine, mine. They are his. There it is. And he probably doesn't like it that we call him ours. He probably doesn't like it when we're stingy with his stuff. Uh, when we hold it back and say, you can't touch my stuff. And he says, wait a minute, that's my stuff. It's on loan to you. I've blessed you so you could be a blessing. Uh, right now, I want to give the financial update for Bear Valley Church. Okay. There's no charts and graphs. I'm more of a verbal sort of guy, okay? Last year, our um, budget was $505,000. Is that right? $505,000, correct. Um, and 
I want to tell you that God exceeded that, exceeded that by about $15,000, 14 and change. And I want to tell you that we praise God for that. We, we realize that um, it, it's not miraculous in the sense that God dropped manna from heaven and we picked up the money on the front porch. But it's, it's amazing because we don't know how he prompts hearts to give. We just know that he does and he provides for his church and the work here like that. I want you to know that uh, that extra money that was above and beyond even our expenditures, uh, we've allocated to be spent. Uh, we, we have some projects here that we haven't taken care of that mess up from time to time and they make it difficult. Uh, we're hoping to upgrade some of the sound system here and we've set aside some for maintenance of our facility. But you know what we've also done? We've allocated some money to be spent in missions uh, to help Jimmy and Emily as they go out and others, uh, other projects. And we're working on this and we're saying, Jesus, this is your money. You provided it for your church. And now what do you want to do with it? Keep telling us. And, and, And this is what we do. This is how we want to work. Why? Because it's not our money. You know what makes me crazy at Bear Valley Church? There's quite a few things, by the way. Uh, I'm, I, have, I have some crazy tendencies. I have some crazy tendencies. Um, I'm glad uh, there wasn't too many amens, you know. Um, but when, when we say here, my budget, my budget, I want to encourage you. You don't have a budget here. You don't have anything here. I don't either. If you ever hear me say my budget, you know, Rip my tongue out of my mouth. This isn't my stuff. This is his. It's his time and it's his treasure. It's his treasure. We move on, uh, on to point number three this morning. It's his talents. His talents. Um, th- this is where it gets a little difficult. It's his talents or his gifts in you. In you. He put them there. He placed them there. We won't look at them this morning. But um, in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 13, really the book of 1 Corinthians has this theme coming up over and over again. Um, That God, as he saves people, he also gifts them. He gifts them. He, He causes them to have special gifts that would not be used, uh, for um, the, the, the reason he gives them is so that the church could function, could function and grow. And that your gifts, the things that he has gifted, the ways he has gifted you is for the blessing of others. Uh, I know we struggle with this sometimes. Some of you have taken uh, a spiritual gifts uh, test. And I always want to say, did you pass? Uh <laughs> Did you study? Did you pass? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I want to tell you that uh, it's not just your spiritual gifts. It's everything that you are. It's everything that you are. Uh, if, if God has made you big, if God has made you big, you're for lifting things. Okay? 
Okay, some of these things change, right? Uh, sometimes we're made for lifting things and then we have sons and then they're made for lifting things and I'm made for giving directions. Um, some of you have learned things. You've been to school or you've been in families where they've taught you things. God's given you that as well. But what I want you to see this morning is that all that he has gifted you, all the ways both uh, natural by birth and by salvation, all that he has given you is for him to be used. It's his. I think so, so often we get all wound up and we want to tell people, you know how I'm gifted? And they want to say, not really, but I'm just being polite. Okay. Um, those things are meant for service. They're meant for service. They're meant for serving, serving one another. I want to give this warning. Um, the talents that you have, the things that God has blessed you with are not to put yourself on display. If you're drawing attention with these gifts, if you're seeking attention, if you're seeking uh, that someone would say you're great, if you're seeking a response of some sort where someone acknowledges you, you've got it all wrong. It's not yours. It's not drawing attention to yourself, but it's serving as a slave would that your master, his household might be built up. This is why he has blessed you. And then we come to my last point. Uh, he, it's, uh, so you have that he, uh, he blesses us, he gives us, these are the tools, his time, his treasure, his talents in you. And then this one didn't really fit really well, but I forced it in there. It's your trash, your trash. I just want to keep the T in there, okay? Time, treasure, talents, and trash, okay? And you say, what do you mean by trash? Um, this is what I mean. And it may sound kind of rough, and I couldn't think of a better word. Maybe someone will give that to me, and I'll change my whole message for second service. Your trash. I, there's this unique thing in the Scripture that... Um, so, so this is what we do when we do a project. And we're saying, hey, we want to build this house. We want people with great skills. We have great skills. And we take people that know how to do things greatly and are well-trained. And we want the best. And then uh, we build this house and we say, we got the best carpenter. We got the best plumber. We got the best roofer. We got the best painter. We got the best landscaper. We got the best. And now we have the best house. But there's this unique thing that Jesus does. He takes sinful people that aren't good at things. They, they fumble and bumble and, and they mess things up. And they, they've both, uh, they've trashed their lives past tense. And some are even in the midst of it right now. And he says, this is how I want to build my church. This is how I want people uh, this is the kind of people I want. And you say, no way. Jesus wants the best. He does not. He does not. In fact, it's rare. It's rare. If you look at 1 Corinthians <coughs> chapter 1, and I want you to hear this. This is super important. And if anything marks Bear Valley Church, this is the point that marks Bear Valley Church. You wanted it to be the talents, didn't you? 
It's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 6, he says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose that which is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose that which is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing that are are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Uh, if you write in your Bibles, um, BBC, BBC, not many noble, not many wise. Uh, he chose the, the lowly things. He, he wanted to work through them. This is this is how he works. He doesn't take things that are already great and say, put his name on them. But he takes things that are a mess and says, serve Serve me with your life. That, that which is yours. That, that which nobody else wants. You may feel like that this morning. Nobody else has wanted me. I want to tell you. Jesus wants to use you in his church. Um, in 1 Corinthians. Same book. Late, uh, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians. Uh <laughs> It says this again, it says this again, chapter 12. Paul's talking about his own life and Paul uh, wrote most of the New Testament. Some of us would say Paul was great. Paul was great. Even in uh, those who seem to be great, I want to tell you that this is Jesus' method. Paul says this in verse 7, So to keep uh, me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Jesus is about taking that which we are humbled and a mess with. And he says, I'll use you. If you willingly come to me, I will make your weakness. I will work in your weakness, not in your strength. Um, this morning, I, I want you to know that you should serve the Lord. You know why? Because he's the Lord and you're his servant. And you should take <laughs> your time and not say it's your time. You should say it's his time and say, what do you want me to do with this day? 
Uh, you, you should look at the money that he's entrusted to you and the things that he's entrusted to you. And you say, what do you want to do with your stuff? And as he's uh, given you special things that you might use, you say, how do you want to use me? Where and what places? These gifts, these places that you... Maybe there's a place where you want to use those gifts in your church. He's got a plan here. He's done this for a purpose. But not just that. To not say, oh, I'm not a good teacher. Oh, I, I don't do that. Oh, I, I, that, that's not my thing. That's, but to say, even in those things... As God places a need before you to say, God, I feel insecure about this. I, I, I feel like I can't do it. And he says, I'll even take that. I'll even take those weak areas. And I, I will even use that because my power isn't perfected in your power. But my power is perfected in your weakness. Uh, this is how he, these are the tools that he gives us to serve this morning. And I want us to continue to pray. Where does the Lord want me to serve? How does he want me to use this time? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the grace of this time that you even allowed us to meet. Um, Thank you for communicating us through your word. And I pray that even as we already have a dependence on the spirit, I pray that your spirit would be working now in us, uh, marking us. Uh, with your word, changing us, reforming us, um, transforming us, changing us from who everyone else is and how we grew up to what you want us to be. Use us, Lord. Uh, Don't allow us to walk away and not, um, not think about this again, but bring it up over and over again uh, that you might change our lives. And God, thank you for the joy that you give in allowing us to serve. Thank you for not excluding us, but including us in your plan. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.